where does yesterday's future, which is already here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. That's right. Bonnie D. Graham in the house. Welcome, everyone. We have a packed house today, and what a topic. Let me do the introduction, and then you will get to meet all of... We have five people on the panel today. Such a hot topic. So today's buzz, well, literally and figuratively, I could go bzzz, and you might have an idea what we're talking about, but maybe not. I'm going to quote three news articles I found, actually four, and that'll set us up. So here's a quote from popularmechanics.com. Yes, seriously. Here's the quote. Drones in the sky, drones in the sea, drones on land. This is the future of human augmentation. That's quote number one. Number two, from roboticsbusinessreview.com. Quote, there are few pieces of technology that excite tech lovers and the general public quite like drones. Hmm. Here comes quote number three from Mondo.com. Business executives with their finger on the pulse of tech trends and updates realize the myriad of benefits drones could offer by integrating the tech into their operations. And here's quote number four from CALU.edu. CALU. Quote, from a military innovation to an exciting hobby to a technology that's transforming commercial industries. The use of drones has rapidly changed over the past years, and future opportunities in the field are limitless. Oh my, so many perspectives, and of course we're talking about drones. Is it all true? Are they on point? Well, stick around with me for the next, oh, let's see what we've got here, 55 minutes, and we're going to hear predictions on the future of drones and insights on what's happening right now with drones and you, whether you're in a business, whether it's just you, if you're looking up overhead, we're calling this episode, look up, it's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's a drone, are you ready? My very special guest today, I'm so thrilled to have all of them. In a moment, you'll be hearing from Robert Biggs, the owner of Phoenix Drone Pros, Chris Todd at AIRT Airborne International Response Team. Sounds very exciting. Carrie Brown, one of our favorites at SAP. She knows a lot about so many topics, and she's here. Patrick Egan, an editor at SUAS News, and David Patterson at Ardena, A-R-D-E-N-N-A. So welcome, everyone. I'm Bonnie, and I plan to be for the next hour. Let's get started. Robert Biggs, you're up first. Please introduce yourself, Robert. Well, thank you very much. I'm so excited to be on this program with you. I appreciate it, Bonnie. So I'm Robert. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I own Phoenix Drone Pros. Um, We're basically aerial photography and videography, and my focus is mostly on real estate, Um, big commercial shopping centers that are for sale. I'll fly the drone get some cool photos, some really cool perspectives um, so that the uh, selling agent can show off their property better. That's basically my focus. I've done other things like shoot clips from movies, flying in caves, stadiums, just kind of stuff like that. But my focus is real estate. Thank you, Robert. And I noticed from your website, you also do aerial photography for weddings. Is that getting very popular? That is a growing trend, correct. I mean, whenever a bride sees that shot of uh, 
of a bride walking down the aisle from the air is so spectacular. I get a lot of calls to do to get that shot for them. I bet, and it could be very flattering. I'll just say that. By the way, the the mantra for your company is capture everything. I appreciate that. Thank you, Robert, and welcome. Correct. Let's move along Thanks, the table, buddy. around the table, to our next guest, Chris Todd. Chris, please introduce yourself. Good morning, Bonnie. My name is Christopher Todd. I live in uh, Miami Beach, Florida, and I serve as the executive director for the Airborne International Response Team, or AIRT. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that uses drones to help people prepare for, respond to, and recover from complex emergencies and disasters. Uh, I am a certified remote pilot. I'm also a certified emergency manager. Uh, we work with clients uh, also on the, on the for-profit side. We've got a company called Airborne Response, where we work with energy clients, telecommunications, and insurance to help them with disaster response, disaster recovery, with all the cool ways we're using drones today. And we're learning a lot, having a lot of fun, and uh, sky's the limit, no pun intended. <laughs> I, I love that. That was a good one, Chris. I never think of drones. We, we think of them as for delivery and, as Robert said, for wedding photography and real estate. Everybody loves them in real estate, that wonderful aerial view. And we'll talk about some of the privacy issues, but I never thought of it in terms of disaster. Very, very interesting. We have a lot to learn from you, Chris. Thank you for joining me. Let's move one more seat around the table to Ms. Carrie Brown. Carrie, you're back. I'm thrilled. Tell everybody what you do and what does drone topic mean to you? Carrie Brown. Hey, Bonnie. It's Carrie Brown. I'm the Vice President of User Adoption at SAP. And really, my litmus test when I look at innovation is how do people's jobs change? So when I think about drones, I look at how do you change jobs, whose jobs are shifting? So you talked with two previous gentlemen, and you can see how different opportunities are there, but also when you think about safety or you think about access, there's a lot of opportunity. And as we look at our customers, since 76% of the world's GDP runs through SAP, how do drones change how they do their work as well? Thank you. And, Carrie, I have to thank you for introducing me to Tom Bolick. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Tom was responsible for bringing several of the other guests to the show today. He, at the last minute, was double booked. How dare he? But I appreciate the introduction to several of the other panelists on the show. So, Tom, we're doing a shout-out to you, and we're going to do part two of this in January or February 2020, so I'm sure we'll get Tom back. So, Carrie, thank you for that outreach. Let's move one more seat around. I'm not done yet. I still have more guests. Patrick Egan. Patrick, welcome. Tell us what you do and what do drones mean to you? Uh, I've been doing commercial drones for the better part of 20 years, um, doing uh, advocacy, airspace integration globally for probably uh, 15 or 16 years. And uh, I've seen a lot of promise here. Uh, now I do the SUAS News with my business partner, Gary Mortimer, who actually started that uh, in 2008. And uh, we do editorials and stories about the good that drones can do for people. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on the show. And one more seat around the table. We've got David Patterson. David, please introduce yourself. Hey, good morning, Bonnie, and good morning, everyone. My name is David Patterson. I am based out of Austin, Texas, where we're having some beautiful hot weather here. Um, I have been uh, involved with drones for about four or five years, uh, using them in an industrial settings to capture imagery to look at the health of uh, the industrial equipment. Uh, most recently, Ardena 
has been working with BNSF Railroad, uh, capturing images of the BNSF Railroad. And so far, we have processed over 28,000 track miles for BNSF, looking for different issues or problems that they might have with the goal of uh, reducing operational costs, reducing maintenance costs, and hopefully making the railroad safer for everyone. Thank you very much. Fascinating. And I'm just going to give a little hint here to my listeners that today we're going to be noting that we are honored to be sponsored by LinkedIn. And I'll be giving you a little insight and a special offer about LinkedIn in the next 10 minutes. So there. So let's go around the table. I always ask my guests to send me a quote, something preferably from a movie, from a song, something inspirational, a little bit cool. And they have done that. So I'm going to read the quote and the source just very briefly and ask them to spend about two minutes at the most telling me how they picked the quote. So we have a quote from Robert Biggs is up first. Robert sent us a quote from Miles Davis, a wonderful musician, and the quote is, time isn't the main thing, it's the only thing. Robert, tell me how this relates to our topic of drones today. That's a tough one to relate to the topic of drones. It's just more of a topic of my life, I think. Just, just as I get older, I have 10 grandchildren now. Um, and uh, so it just seems like time with my grandchildren and with people is so important to me now. And one of the reasons I love the drone industry and running my own business is because it allows me that freedom to, you know, schedule my own time. And so I can spend time working, flying drones, which is a blast. I love, uh, my grandkids love to come along and they love to fly the drones with me. And so it's just kind of brought the family together. So that's, that's kind of why I enjoy that quote. I love it. And, and I think if we take a broader view of it, Robert, and we look at time is the only thing, thinking about the efficiency of drones, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, or I'm stretching a little bit, but the concept that drones are certainly increasing the speed with which things like disaster recovery and photography, you don't have to climb up in a tree on a ladder anymore to do an aerial photography. Uh, would you would you buy into that as well, Robert? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I find that when I do construction sites, um, nowadays you can pre-program a drone so I can program it to fly, you know, a 30 acre construction site. And then the next time I come out there, I can just say, fly it again. The apps that they have for these drones nowadays are amazing. They save so much time when I'm out there flying the site. I love it. Like there's an app called drone deploy. Every time I show up to the site once a week, I just say, fly the site again. The drone will fly up, take a 300 pictures and come right back to me and land. Super nice. Completely there you go. Wash, rinse, and repeat. By the way, Miles Davis lived from 1926 to 91, and he was married to Cecily Tyson, the actress, from 81 to 88, and he was an American jazz trumpeter, band leader, and composer, and I had many jazz yeah. records back in the days of vinyl. I know it's still around. Miles Dewey Davis the third, uh, one of the icons of American jazz history. Thank you, Robert. Let's move on to Chris Todd. Chris has sent me a quote from the 1999, 1995 film Apollo 13 about the ill-fated Apollo 13. 
2013 lunar mission. And here is a two-part quote. Let me read this. Flight director Gene Krantz, played by the wonderful Ed Harris, overhears two NASA directors discussing the low survival chances for the crippled spacecraft. One flight director is overheard to say, I know what the problems are, Henry. This could be the worst disaster NASA has ever experienced. And Gene Krantz intervenes and says, with all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. So that's the quote from Gene Krantz. Chris, how'd you pick this one for our topic on drones today? You know, it it was a really poignant part of the movie um, that I think has kind of gone down in in Americana history. But it's emblematic of where the space program was in the 70s and, and the challenges they were facing with new technology and the fact that, you know, things were going to go wrong, but they had to work through them. They had to stay optimistic and work together as a team. You know, a lot of, a lot of ways we're seeing that same kind of ecosystem in, in the drone space today. I mean, it's, it's technology that in many cases is emerging. It's, uh, it's exciting. It's unproven in many cases. And there's going to be snafus, and you've got to work through them. And as you, you run into problems, you have to stay optimistic and, and work through the challenges, and, and hopefully you'll have a, a successful outcome. Thank you very much. Great quote. Appreciate it. And yes, we're all hoping for successful outcomes. Carrie Brown, you're next. And Carrie has sent us a wonderful quote, quote from the 1985 fantasy sci-fi film Back to the Future. And the character saying this is Emmett Lathrop, Doc Brown, Ph.D., played by the inimitable Christopher Lloyd. Here's the quote. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Carrie, please tell me how you picked this one. Well, you know, when you say going somewhere as the crow flies, you can go directly there. And I think the debate will become how do we manage all the drones that are going to make their way to the skies. So just like traffic patterns for planes, will there need to be traffic patterns for drones? But at the moment, we have the freedom to put them wherever we want. So where we're going with drones, we don't need roads. There you go. I think that says it all, actually. We're up in the air. It's not a bird. It's a plane. It's a drone. Thank you very much, Carrie. And let's see what we've got here. Next quote up. We're doing really quickly here. Patrick Eden. Egan sent me a quote uh, from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, the 1999 movie, I'm sorry, 1992 movie about New York City real estate salesmen. It starred Jack Lemmon, Kevin Spacey. Ed Harris pops up again in this one. He was a popular guy. Here is the quote Patrick has selected. Always be closing. Patrick. Yeah, well, uh, my uh, focus with drones has always been small business jobs and STEM education. And it's strictly business. So ABC, you know, I'm after that Cadillac Eldorado. (laughs) Anything else you want to say about that? In, in the drone business, if you're when you're doing business with drones and you're trying to convince companies like Robert Biggs is at, at Phoenix Drone Pros, are you constantly saying to people, yeah, drones could really enhance your real estate business, could really make your wedding look more beautiful, could really help with your recovery of this or that? Is there is there that need to sell or is it selling itself, drone services today? What's your thought? It's starting to sell itself. Back in the early days when I started doing this in the early 2000s, um, you know, tell people what was going on. It was hard for them to kind of imagine because a lot of people hadn't seen or didn't know they seen drone photography. But now, uh, if you watch TV, watch movies, whatever, you've seen the drone photography, you understand what low-altitude aerial photography looks like. And it, it really does kind of uh, sell itself, the photography side of it. Other services you need to, uh, I'd say, have, bring a little bit more to the table. <laughs> 
But it, it, a lot of people uh, want it, so it kind of does sell itself. That's cool. Thank you very much. Always be closing ABCs. David Patterson sent us a quote from Ken Olson, the founder of DEC, Digital Equipment Corporation, stated in 1977. There's some also a lot of people think that Thomas Watson at IBM said this, but I've checked on Snopes, David, and apparently it was Ken Olson. So there you go. Here's the quote. Everybody listen up. This is a classic. There is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. David, how'd you find this one? Yes, so there's a lot of hype around drones right now because everybody's going into Best Buy and buying one, and then there's also a lot of naysayers in uh, commercial industries around them. So I picked this quote because I think we're going to go through a little bit of a valley where all of the consumers are going to enjoy using them, but businesses outside of the select few that we've talked about here are Mm -hmm. struggling to figure out how to integrate them into their workflow. So it's, uh, I, I think it's not as doom and gloom as this quote makes it out to be, mm-hmm. but certainly will go out of the hype cycle in the not-too-distant future as well. Thank you very much. I've heard the term Valley of Tears as well. After the hype cycle, the Valley of Tears, optimism, all of those those hype cycles and where does something get to be accepted reality and accepted necessary rather than just, oh, it sounds like a big deal and we need to get it into the reality check. Thank you. We're going to take a quick pause here for a message from our sponsor, LinkedIn. Let me tell you what they have to say. If you're in a company that's hiring, well, let's be honest, it isn't as simple as it used to be when you could just put an ad in the paper or you could post an ad for a job to a job board. When you're juggling hiring with everything else it takes to grow your business, and growing businesses is a full-time job today, it's important that you reach the right candidates at the right time, and that's where LinkedIn comes in. I have some numbers for you that will make you listen up. Over 600 million LinkedIn members, that's right, I said 600 million, visit LinkedIn to make connections, to learn and grow as professionals, I'm one of them, and to discover new job opportunities. Yes, yes, yes. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job posting gets in front of the right people with the right hard skills and soft skills to meet your role requirements. It could be things like collaboration, work ethic, adaptability. Carrie knows all about this. LinkedIn does the legwork to help match you to the most qualified candidates because you need to focus on hiring the person who will help transform your business. That's the goal. Here's a statistic that may shock you. Did you know that a hire is made every eight seconds on LinkedIn? It probably took me eight seconds to read that to read that sentence. So here's the call to action. With LinkedIn Jobs, go to LinkedIn and find the jobs, the job section. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on LinkedIn. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash TechRev. That's the code for this show, T-E-C-H-R-E-V, short for Technology Revolution. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash TechRev, T-E-C-H-R-E-V, to get $50 off your first job post. Of course, I have to say, terms and conditions apply. And that's our message from our wonderful sponsor. Thank you, LinkedIn. We love having you on board. Now back to the show, and we're going to go around the table. It's prediction time. That's what we do here. So I'm going to read the first prediction from each of my panelists. We have, oh my goodness, it's only 23 after. We may have time to cover three predictions or more from each of them. So let's get started. Robert Biggs up first. You predict drones in construction. Tell me what this is, Robert. In my industry, like I was saying earlier, I do I fly construction sites, and that has 
I've been getting more and more calls for companies to come out and basically fly their construction sites. The aerial photos are fantastic to show owners uh, the progress of the construction site. Um, they're good to, for you know, fit safety to look at the site, see what's safe around there. Uh, they're good just for documentation, for insurance purposes. So more and more construction companies are starting to learn the value of these photos. And so I'm getting more and more calls from supervisors saying, hey, can you just come out and shoot our site, you know, every week or once a month, whatever they think they can afford. And so I just see that sector growing and growing. The other thing is their, um, the accuracy of drones now um, is getting really, really good. So like within centimeters, you can get accuracy. So people can take measurements off these photos. They can measure stockpiles or holes to, with it. It's super, super accurate. And I think that's just going to get better and better. And the drones to do that are going to get cheaper and cheaper. So I think that's, that's one sector that's really going to grow for drones. Thank you, Robert. Interesting. I know my daughter and her husband bought a plot of 44 acres in Tennessee, and they built a, a small initial house, if you will, before they build the big one when they retire in a few years. Mm-hmm. And their their uh, contractor had drone photography of the progress of the building of this house because it's five hours away from where they live now. And it was very, very helpful to them. So th- that was great. Thank you for that. Chris Todd, your first prediction here, number one, is drone companies. And you say, as with the dot-com bubble in the late 1990s, uh-oh, most drone companies will fail. Tell us what this prediction is and why so glum. Sure, absolutely. Well, I was actually a technology analyst uh, with a front row seat in New York City for the dot-com bubble, and I kind of saw what happened there. And, and we see a lot of parallels where the technology for unmanned aircraft systems are today. Uh, by and large, for, for small drones, there's one company, DJI, that dominates the marketplace a lot like AOL did back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a landscape where the technology today were constrained by visual line of sight per FAA regulations and a radio-controlled direct line of sight for the radio signal. So it, it's, it's a lot like dial-up was back in the 90s. Everybody thought they were dialing up and, and surfing the Internet when they were really on AOL inside a walled garden. And that's kind of how most people are operating uh, drones today. So I, I think that as that technology evolves, we're going to see a completely different landscape as to how these use cases come to bear. I mean, we're really not even transferring cargo today. It's really about visual intelligence with imagery. Uh, and, and I think the companies that are, are set up today um, it may not have the funding to, to make the long haul run or just the, the landscape's going to change. So I think we'll see a lot of these firms go by the wayside as time evolves. Interesting. Do you think we're going to see uh, acquisitions where the bigger ones will gobble up the little companies before they fail and say, hey, you've got something we don't have. We want to bring you on board and expand our company by not just adding more people and more technology, but bringing in acquisitions that are already doing a niche use of drone technology very well. Do you think you see that? Absolutely. In fact, we're, we're already seeing that in the marketplace. There's consolidation taking place in certain sectors, and I think that's going to continue. Um, It's also important to realize that it's not really all about the drone. It's about the sensors. It's about the ecosystem surrounding the drone. And and so, yeah, there's a lot of different plays for companies to make and and acquisition and consolidation will be, be prevalent. 
Thank you very much. I thought so. Glad I was right. You know, I'm not always right to my panelists. If I, if I propose something or say it and it's wrong, just tell me. Just challenge me. It's okay. The host isn't always right, but she's always on board. Carrie Brown, you have an interesting prediction here. Your first one, you sent me four, and I appreciate it. You say delivery. The last mile of delivery will be supported primarily by drones. Are we talking retail uh, dropping in instead of a truck pulling up? Carrie, tell me more. Well, the last mile is a big piece of supply chain that is changing dramatically in terms of customer satisfaction, customer speed, value, and, and so forth. So the that piece of delivery for primarily to the consumer direct, our expectations become super high in terms of what we get. Some of the things to think about, though, like we've seen the ads on TV for that, but, you know, will it be that drones get hacked so that instead of somebody stealing something off of your porch, which is a challenge now, might be able to be hacking the drones and getting them delivered exactly where they want, or will the drone come to your home and have a place that it can drop it that's more secure? So absolutely, um, you know, the ads we see from Amazon teasing that that's going to happen are, are very much within our grasp. The question becomes, what are the challenges that come with that versus what's here today? Very interesting. Carrie, I live in a, a fairly new development in Durham, North Carolina, right at the edge of Raleigh, and I see on our community bulletin board, if you will, where people post, well, a lot of ridiculous things, but they post, lost package, and uh, Amazon said mm-hmm. it was delivered, and the post office said it was delivered, and it's not, we have kiosks where I have to walk two blocks to get my mail, but I see trucks pulling up in front of my house with my Amazon deliveries. I haven't lost a package yet, but it's interesting to me that they are actually renting trucks that are not marked with Amazon or Prime, and a, a, a truck will pull up with markings I don't recognize, and somebody with a purple jersey will come up and bring a package to my door. So I'm, I'm wondering how I would feel if a drone dropped it. Is it going to be dropped with a thud, Carrie, or does anybody in the panel know? <laughs> how will the, what, Carrie, do you know? Will it be dropped from a height? Will it, will it, will it be let down gently? Uh, Carrie, do you know the answer, or does anybody on the panel? Let's just open this up quickly here. Does anybody know how will I know the package these be gentlemen de- know a lot more about that than me, but I'm sure that it can be dropped quite gently exactly where it needs to be placed, given the specificity. Can anybody chime in on that? Yes. Google is Carrie right? Who's this? Is that Chris or Patrick? Patrick. Patrick, Google talk to me. How, how will drones be actually dropped? That that's uh, viable. It's not. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> All right. We'll get back to that one. Thank you very much. Patrick, you're up next with your first prediction. Your first prediction is adopting drone technology. You say AI and machine learning will make drone technology easier to adopt, allowing non-SMEs to collect better data. So we're talking about data rather than packages. Talk to me. What is this prediction about, Patrick? Yes. So, Bonnie, I don't know how many people might remember a TV episode from Lucy, obviously many years ago, Mm -hmm. where there were... uh, she and a friend were at a chocolate factory, and yes. they were trying to wrap the chocolates coming down the conveyor belt. Yes. And the funny thing is, you know, they'd do it, and then the conveyor belt would speed up, and they'd keep up, and then it would go faster. And ultimately, it got to the point they couldn't keep up. What we're finding is, as we've talked, uh, several of the other guests have already talked about all of the wonderful imagery that drones can capture but at some point, we're going to end up capturing too many images for humans to be able to review on their own. And so this is where having software that can go in and automate the processing, a 
effectively go in and find things for the humans. You still have the humans come back and look at the results, but it's just when you're getting hundreds of images or thousands of images, it just becomes too much for people to be able to do, especially when you start thinking about the fatigue factor of a human looking at photos over and over and over all day long. So that's, that's why I think automation of at least some amount of, of image processing is going to be key as we move forward. Thank you, David. And you're referencing I Love Lucy, one of the 10 best-loved episodes. It was from 1952, and it was called Job Switching, the Chocolate Factory episode, when Lucy and best friend Ethel, played by Vivian Vance, try to prove that a job is easier than whatever. And you're right. It's going on and on. They're eating the chocolates. They're stuffing them down their bras. They're doing everything to keep going, and it's an impossible task. Thank you for that pictorial reference. Patrick Egan, I'm covering you now. Your number one prediction was adopting drone technology. Patrick, can you explain for me? Well, I got another prediction, and it is that uh, they will not use cell phone technology for air traffic control. It's not reliable enough. <laughs> and we figured that one out. Um, the prediction, uh, again, I think that, uh, yeah, the software needs to get better AI, machine learning, it will get better. It's starting to come on. Uh, up till now, a lot of a lot of success in the drone industry relied on somebody that knew or was an expert in the field of, say, agronomy or uh, map making, GIS or whatever. You kind of needed those skill sets to really make the drone magic work. Uh, and as we move forward, the the um, software will get better, and then hopefully take the high dollar expert. Um, let's say, out of that equation, and then we'll really realize the value of uh, remote sensing. Thank you very much. I'm ready for another prediction from all of my guests. We're circling back around the table. Robert Biggs, I'm looking at your prediction number three because we haven't really talked about this, and it sounds exciting to me. You predict drones in movies. Talk to me. Where are we going to see these? Are we already seeing drone imagery, aerial photography in movies, or what's going to happen with this? Robert, you're up. Well, thank you very much, Bonnie. Um, yeah, you, whenever you're watching a movie these days, especially me, when I'm watching them, I'm always trying to figure out the camera and how they got the shot, and mm-hmm. more and more shots you're seeing going with drones. My prediction is, if you've ever seen racing drones, that those guys are going to become more involved in shooting movie clips because some of the shots they get the accuracy and speed, unbelievable. And, of course, that's what movie producers are looking for, something shock and awe factor. And these racing drone guys, I've seen some of their footage on YouTube. just blows my mind, the skill that they have flying with the speed and accuracy. So that's my prediction. You're going to start seeing more of those shots in movies. Robert, let me ask you, is this a field that's equally open to men and women? Is this a young person's field, this learning to manipulate a drone with such accuracy you're mentioning? What, what do you predict for the higher ability or the job, job future of this kind of drone work? What's your quick thought on that? Um, men or women, they are both involved in racing drones. It's just whoever is interested in it. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I just think the people with the most skill, if they have racing drone leagues, and those people that win those things are so talented, 
those are the kind of people that movies are going to hire. Like DJI, DJI, who was mentioned earlier, just came out with their racing drone package, and they hired one of the best racing drone guys to go shoot some footage on the mountaintops. And it's, it's just amazing the way they can flip and loop around so smoothly and accuracy, accurately. That that's, you're going to start seeing more of that in movies. Thank you. It sounds like a fun job to have. It sounds like a fun place to be. Thank you so much. Chris Todd, I'm looking at your predictions, and here's the one I'd like to do next. You say unmanned aviation and ground and maritime assets. What are you thinking about in terms of emergency management, public safety, disasters? What are you thinking? Sure. Well, I mean, historically, if you look at public safety agencies, less than 1% could really afford to have aviation programs, helicopters, manned aircraft, The maintenance were just way too expensive for all but the largest agencies. So with the smaller unmanned aircraft systems, we're seeing a change. I mean, now conceivably, every small police department, every volunteer fire department in the U.S. and around the world can have their own aviation, their their own air force if they wanted it. So I think that's going to start to change. We're seeing that in the public safety space as more and more police and fire departments start to embrace unmanned systems. And then as we look at things like 5G on the horizon and the network capability of the different systems, whether it be air, land, or sea, uh, communicating with one another, it's, it's going to provide new capabilities that we've never seen before in emergency management or disaster response. I mean, right now when there's a hurricane, the old model is we send people around to conduct what's called windshield surveys, where mm-hmm. they drive through neighborhoods and assess whether a house is still in good condition, it's been blown apart. Uh, with with air with unmanned aircraft systems, you can fly over an entire block in that same time period, and using AI and machine learning, start to assess automatically what the condition is of of the different communities that have been affected. So I think that's a really exciting part. And you know, as we start carrying cargo and urgent medical supplies via unmanned aircraft systems, it's just going to bring aid to the people who need it uh, much more rapidly than we've ever seen before. So it's very exciting. Chris, thank you. Do, you. do you predict that municipalities, governments will invest in drones, the assets, the technology, the hire the people who can do it well for disaster, or will this be contracted out? I'm just curious about how that quote-unquote supply chain, if you will, how that will work. Where will the technology and the assets come from? Sure. I think it's going to be a, a, a mix like we see today with debris removal post-hurricane where you've got the Department of Public Works or you've got cities, mm-hmm. municipalities that have a certain level of capability. But if they get hit hard by a large disaster, they're going to need support. And that's where the contracted relationships come in. And, and we're already providing services for companies and, and municipalities like that here in Florida. So I know for a fact that, uh, that it is going to happen. Thank you very much. Thanks for indulging my question. Carrie Brown, here's something I haven't heard from anybody yet, Carrie. I I knew I could count on you for something completely out of the box. You say transportation. Drones will become the short-distance equivalent of flying cars transporting people. Carrie, I want to ask you what you're you're drinking. When is this coming? Is it coming to a neighborhood near you and me soon? Got to know. Well, you know, it's a bit imaginary now, but think about it. You know, there's drones that fly, you know, there's, there's drone-controlled planes flown by the military now. And when I was recently at the Center for Automotive Research conference, we were talking about you know, electric vehicles and unmanned vehicles. And if it gets to where they're unmanned, why would we be driving ourselves in the sky with flying cars like the Jetsons? Somebody will be transporting us. There's no reason that there can't be the equivalent of a, of a you know, un 
of a drone ma- drone managed or drone flown car or vehicle or transportation device. So is it here yet? No, but there's no reason it couldn't be. So well, I see that coming rather than just having the, the roads <laughs> being manned. Why can't the skies be manned by, by drones with people in them? That's why we call it a prediction. It doesn't have to be here yet. Thank you, Carrie. That's why I consider you a visionary, because you're looking through a different type of lens, and that's what we want. Thank you so much. Patrick Egan, your next prediction, B-V-L-O-S. That's Beyond Visual Line of Sight. You say it's many years away. What does this mean? Patrick? Well, actually, the, uh, the, the let's say the file and fly, uh, flying drones beyond visual line of sight. And there's a lot of people that believe that uh, really unlocking the potential of drones is being able to fly beyond visual line of sight. And I think uh, some of that's true. Uh, pipeline surveys, high power transmission, agriculture, things like that. But I think that right, it's capable. We're capable of doing that right now, and I think we can scientifically quantify uh, some of the risks in some of those examples that I just uh, gave. Um, you know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're farming corn, and there's uh, you can calculate the risk is really low to people. There's nobody on the ground, things like that. I think you can do that today, and I think um, the the regulation or the regulator in this case is being lazy. But when you get to the other last mile delivery, you get to the flying cars, things like that, um, we're, we're, we're nowhere near uh, where we need to be for reliability, for infrastructure, for um, certifiability of systems that are going to allow for those beyond visual line of sight flights in urban areas or congested airspace. And uh, even the flying car thing, it sounds good. I'm, I'm into it. I've, I've heard the people from Uber speak, and I get all excited. But uh, there's a lot of barriers that need to be overcome, and there's a lot of money that needs to be invested. Even even in the drone sphere, the reliability of the system is just not there yet for uh, a lot of flights beyond visual line of sight. Then so there's a the reality some, that we have there's to. something to look forward exact. to. Thank you. David Patterson, next prediction. Let's get a little bit into the technology here. Drones and IoT for the uninitiated. That's Internet of Things. He says when people recognize that a drone is just another IoT device, they'll understand it's a tool to help them and not something that is going to take your job. This is something. Can you unpack this for me, please, David? you got a couple thoughts in here. Yeah, absolutely. So there is... um I'm going to start on the job front. There, there's a lot of concern as people start using drones in uh, construction settings or in industrial settings that the whole idea is that uh, management is trying to replace workers with, with drones. And if you look at the automotive industry and automotive manufacturing where they have moved to a lot of uh, not, not drones but certainly automated manufacturing uh, there, there was definitely an impact there. But the idea behind a drone at a construction site is it gives you a set of eyes, uh, and a couple of the, the panelists have already referenced this. It gives you a different set of eyes or perspective than you can see uh, when you're on the ground. And that makes life a whole lot easier for everybody. So rather than it taking somebody's job, it really just becomes another tool in their, in their toolbox. And then the, the other comment that I was making is um, 
Internet of Things where we are putting intelligence into refrigerators and into washers and dryers, uh, a, a drone with a camera, uh, and the ability, again, as a, a prior panelist has commented, to program it to fly the same mission, same flight every time, mm-hmm. really becomes an extension of just your intelligence that you're putting in your refrigerator or your washer and dryer, it just so happens that this one moves, kind of like your, anybody who has an iRobot uh, I that goes around and vacuums your house, it's just an iRobot, but it happens to fly around in the air rather than move around on the floor. So those are really the two thoughts regarding uh, that prediction. Thank you very much. I'm scanning the rest of the predictions from my guests. It looks like we've had a couple of repetitions or overlap. So I'm going to skip to one in Carrie Brown's list. That Carrie, I haven't heard anybody exactly address this, and I think we'll start with you. We have a few minutes left. I'm going to ask you to elaborate on your prediction number four. You sent me the word privacy. That is a big issue. I don't want to get into politics or public policy. Maybe we should a little bit without getting political, but you say privacy will be a growing area of policy and process as drones become tinier. So, Carrie, why don't you start this, and I'm going to use this as a quick roundtable. We'll go around the table. It'll be Carrie and then Patrick, then Robert, and then, uh, I'm sorry, Carrie, Patrick, David, Robert, and Chris. And just, just a minute each, 60 seconds max, your thoughts on the issues of drones and privacy. Carrie, you kick us off, please, then we'll go around. Hi, this is a, is a prediction, you know, not necessarily fact, and some of the other gentlemen might know more mm-hmm. fact on it, but, <clears throat> you know, as Drones become smaller and smaller when you think about the paparazzi getting getting caught in, in photos or you think about, um, you know, perhaps private investigators or other information or espionage. You know, where can a smaller device make its way into a location that may or may not be as visible or as noticeable, which, you know, privacy becomes a concern for a variety of reasons, either professionally or personally. So that's my guess is to that, that that will become a bigger deal than it is now. Thank you. And, and my original title for this show, Carrie, and everybody was going to be, it's a, not a bird, it's not a plane, it's a drone. Hide your, hide your women, hide your children, hide your elderly, hide your guys, <laughs> hide everybody because they're looking at us. And I decided not to make it that kind of a spooky show. So I didn't, but it needed to come up. So Carrie, I'm glad you brought it up. Patrick Egan, 60 seconds. Agree or disagree? What do you think is going to happen with our privacy? Will we be hiding when we hear that little buzz? And I'll tell you a story in a second. Go ahead, Patrick. Well, you know, there's already a lot of privacy laws on the books, and I think, uh, you know, this has been an issue that keeps rearing its ugly head. Oh, my privacy. Well, you know, uh, as it is now, anything that's done, let's say, outside, um, you know, where anyone can see is considered public. That's how they brought the, uh, the mob down. Uh, also, aerial photography is used by municipalities for, um, let's say, uh, Building permits, if you got a permit, uh, there's also things where the police use them for speeding and drug interdiction and other things. So the laws are really already there. I think that uh, what it is is people think, like, I'm going to hear the helicopter, I'm going to see it, I'm going to know it's there so I can, you know, hide my pot plants or whatever, which is ridiculous. I think what it really is, is people think that the drones, since they're so small, it's kind of sneaky and you don't know that they're there. But uh, your privacy has been gone for a long time. 
Thank you. I'm going to tell you all a quick story, and then oh, David, you're up next, and then uh, and then Robert, and then Chris. I'm sorry, Robert, and uh, yes, Robert and Chris. Trying to remember all my children here. I moved into this house. It was a resale, less than a year old, in Durham, North Carolina, and I asked around who the people were who had originally owned the house, bought it when it was being built, and they told me that the gentleman who lived here had a drone, and he used to fly it, and people used to hide in their backyards when the drone guy was around because they. Thought thought he was photographing them in there. I don't think people do N-U-D-E bathing here. It's not that kind of a community. At least I haven't met those people. But everybody said, oh, you bought the house that, that the drone guy owned. He used to fly over the clubhouse. He used to fly over everybody's backyards. And we didn't know what the hell he was doing. Was he photographing? Was he peeping? And so anyway, I just wanted to tell all of you that I bought the drone guy's house and I don't have a drone. That's just a sidebar. Uh, David Patterson, privacy. Talk to me. 60 seconds. That's all we've got for you yeah i think as drones continue to become uh more popular uh patrick's right there are a ton of laws on the books but most people don't know what airspace they own or don't own so if somebody flies a drone over my backyard do i have a right to shoot it out of the sky or Mm -hmm. is that illegal and you know there's there's going to be a lot of interesting situations that are going to come up that we're going to hear about drones going forward, whether it's privacy-related or, uh, or, or otherwise. Thank you. Robert Biggs, you're up. 60 seconds. That's all we've got for you. What do you think? Privacy issues. Are you seeing any of that yet, hearing that in your business? I have. When Sometimes when I'm flying over homes out in the um, you know, out in the desert, and there are big acre lots, and these people are trying to hide from everybody out there. And if I'm shooting the house, once in a while, I used to get some guy coming over and screaming at me, threatening to shoot the drone out of the sky with a shotgun. So <laughs> typically you're just like, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just shooting this house over there. They think you're staring at them, but, you know, your camera's actually aimed at the house across the street. So <laughs> they, the public... Some people have that concern, but uh, it's going away. I notice it's going away a lot. Thank you very much. Good to know. And Chris Todd, you're going to wrap this part of the show up. Chris, privacy issues. What do you think? What are you experiencing, please? Yeah, there's no doubt that privacy is a concern for a lot of people with this new technology that's unfamiliar. Uh, we've, We've had crews out inspecting power lines where homeowners have come out and pointed guns at the drone. Uh, there's been reports of drones being shot down. So, yeah, it, it's a real issue. Um, but to Patrick's point, I mean, privacy's really been gone for a while. Um, in, in many ways, if you look at Google Maps, if you look at news helicopters, I mean, the drones are just an extension of that with higher resolution data. I know in Florida, we've got the legislator who, who's um, put some laws on the books to help protect people. So if you're laying out in the sun, um, you know, at, at your pool, you don't have a drone flying over. And I think that's smart. Um, where it gets really interesting and is we've seen recent patent applications for companies like Amazon that want to conduct surveillance. So if you think about that last mile delivery argument and drones flying over somebody's house to deliver a package, you ask yourself, what information are they collecting? Are they looking at what type of grill you have in your backyard? What kind of cars mm-hmm. parked in your driveway? How big your pool is? How big your lawn is? And are they assessing all this information to figure out how they can sell you more products and services or provide security uh, services. So there's a lot of issues there that haven't been sorted out, and I think that's where the privacy argument is going to get really interesting uh, in in the future as, as all this tends to merge together. 
Thank you very much. I have a bonus round question, a one-word answer from each of you. This is real fast, and I'm going to do a reminder of the offer from our wonderful sponsor, LinkedIn. Question, I looked up the meaning of the word drone, just the word drone in the dictionary, and it's making to make a continuous loud humming noise. That's the verb. The noun is a low continuous humming sound, a hum, a buzz, a whir, vibration, murmur, murmuring, purr, hiss, hissing, whisper, whispering, and a sigh. Okay, so the question is, by 2024, do you think we will find a better word for the noise of what the drone makes and call it something else? What would that word be? One word from each of you. I know this is a surprise question, but that's all the time I have. So, Robert Biggs, what will drones be called in 2025? And you can say they'll still be called drones. Go ahead. One word. That's a tough one, but I'd say silent. Oh, okay. Chris Todd, what do you think drones will be called in 2025? Aircraft. Ooh, Carrie Brown. I'm going to go with aircraft. Okay, Patrick Egan. Drone. Ah, David Patterson. Drone. Okay, there we go. We're kind of split there. So I, I want to do a reminder with LinkedIn Jobs, those of you listening who are looking to hire the right people at the right time with the right skills, hard and soft skills, you can pay what you want. And the first $50 is on LinkedIn. Visit LinkedIn.com slash TechRev, T-E-C-H-R-E-V. That's the code for the show. Again, LinkedIn.com slash TechRev. You'll get $50 off your first job post. And, of course, terms and conditions apply. Shout out to my wonderful guest. Shout out to my co-producer, Ryan Treasure. VP of Broadcast Operations at Voice America World Talk Radio. Shout out to our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller, who gets us on the air and tries to keep us there. Thank you, Aaron, and shout out to all of my guests. Next Wednesday, August 21st, you won't believe what we're going to be talking about. Your first $100,000, actually your first million dollars, do and don't predictions for new technology entrepreneurs. I've got a panel of four young, probably millennials or Gen Gen Zers maybe, who've made their first million. What did they do? How did technology help them? What is on the landscape for startups going forward? So I want to thank again my special guest, Robert Biggs at Phoenix Drone Pro. Such a pleasure. Chris Todd, AIRT, pleasure to meet you. Kerry Brown, you're always welcome, and thanks for helping put this together. Patrick Egan, America's Desk at SUAS News, David Patterson at Arden. And by the way, Ryan Treasure, my co-producer, introduced me to Robert Biggs, and I thank you for that. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Remember, the future hasn't happened yet, so help do your part to shape the future of now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.